Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hello and welcome to another episode of Life as a Gringo. I am Dramos, of course. And man, today is officially the last episode I will be dropping for Latinx Heritage Month. It has been a whirlwind of stories being told, some good, some bad, but it's been a lot of fun to really kind of use these Thursday episodes to really focus in on the culture and issues that are affecting our culture specifically. And with that said, I want to do things a little bit differently on today's show uh, and actually kind of use this as a bit of a preview of what I kind of foresee our Thursday episodes sort of sounding like. I want to be able to cover some more current events, and and that kind of has been the basis for the Thursday shows in the past, is me kind of reacting to different trending stories. But I kind of want to take it a little bit deeper, a little bit further. So I guess this episode is going to kind of serve as a little bit of a guinea pig for that, if you will. So with this being the last episode of Latinx Heritage Month, I thought it'd be nice to kind of summarize uh, this month as a whole and kind of give you the good, the bad, the ugly from Latinx Heritage Month 2021. And just as like a, a little preface, we won't have a Ask a Gringo segment in today's show. Uh, I was just too many different like topics to be getting opinions on and things like that. Um, but we will be kind of just covering a few stories that I talked about on the podcast throughout the month, as well as some things that I, I've been kind of just reading about and feel like aren't getting enough coverage or are, are things that you need to be aware of. And then we'll use the Mi Gente segment of the show to celebrate a couple people from our community who have been making some some really great strides, uh, you know, on behalf of all of us uh, over the course of this last month. Now, with that said, let's dive into some of the good, the bad and the ugly from this last month in a segment we call for the people in the back. Say a lot for the people in the back. All right, y'all, so just a, a quick uh, preface before I get into this. If you hear some background noise, it's my puppy doing his thing once again in the back as usual. Uh, so just ignore that. But keep it moving with today's show. Let's start kind of, you know, where where it all began as I kicked off the month, kind of talking about 
Hispanic Heritage Month versus Latinx Heritage Month and the word Hispanic versus the word Latinx or Latino. And you can listen to that podcast episode if you want to get kind of the full gist of it all. But the the overall summary that I came up with from that episode was, you know, Latinx is just a non-binary, non-kind of gender conforming way of including all Latin people, not just those who only speak Spanish. Uh, and that includes people from Brazil, where the you know national language is actually Portuguese. And also for a lot of people, this uh, will exclude people from Spain, which, of course, has a bit of a rocky history uh, of, you know, being the oppressors, you know. And speaking of something that was very positive from this last month, we really saw for the first time a real push for Columbus Day to transition into becoming Indigenous Peoples Day. And, And it's been popping up kind of everywhere on social media, but like obviously it's not official till it's official. And the beautiful thing that happened was that Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, actually recognized the second Monday of October as Indigenous Peoples Day. Now, this is the first time an American president has recognized the day, a day that has for decades been known as Columbus Day. And this is a beautiful thing. I mean, I would hope that I don't have to explain too much of the history of of Christopher Columbus and just how terrible he was to the indigenous people who are, you know, many of our ancestors raping, pillaging, stealing all that they had and enslaving them. So I think we can all kind of understand why it's a little bit hard for some of us to uh, to celebrate that man, especially when you think about how his actions really kicked off um, some fucked up history for people of color. And it's always wild to me because you'll see people like going real hard for this. You know what I'm saying? Like all these woke people trying to cancel Christopher Columbus. It's like, yeah, asshole, this guy literally was like a genocidal maniac, like a rapist. Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, this guy was not a good person, and it's fucked up to think that we would be celebrating him in this country when he literally was responsible for wiping out entire groups of people. And on top of that, he did not fucking discover anything. Like, there were literally people here already, and this actually shows you It shows you the like internalized racism that we have, that textbooks have been written and we've all grown up in a school system that has taught us that Christopher Columbus discovered America, completely ignoring the fact that people were here before him. And why? Why were those people ignored? Yes, you guessed it. It's because they were not white. Okay, but of course, because, you know, we can't recognize something's existence until the white man has had his hands on it. Side note, I need to get a little like sound effect uh, board on here where every time I say one of those types of statements, I have Childish Gambino going, stay woke. I don't think the legal team here, iHeart, will allow me to do that, but I'll just make sure I sing it every time. Now, also a story that was super popular this month that people couldn't seem to get enough of was the disappearance of Gabby Petito. And listen, my heart 100% goes out to her family and friends and and everybody that is affected by this. But it was interesting, the the conversation that was started as a result and also how some people wanted to avoid the conversation. And that is the phenomenon that is known as missing white woman syndrome. And, and this basically, you know, captures the idea that people only really seem to care when a woman goes missing if she's white. And there were plenty of things being brought up about how the same area that Gabby Petito uh, went missing in, how so many indigenous women have gone missing in that same exact area over the years and gotten minimal to no coverage. And and for those of you who are kind of just like, uh, well, she was a social media influencer. That's why people care. I point you to to this story right here that, that came out of California as an Oakland-based TV reporter, uh, actually a three-time Emmy winner named uh, Frank Somerville, was actually suspended from his job just for merely suggesting that he talk about missing white woman syndrome. And he wasn't even trying to like go off and be overly woke. Like It literally says when you read the story about this, he literally just wanted to add a note to all the coverage that was happening surrounding Gabby Petito. This led to an argument with his news director, and then he was suspended indefinitely. Like, you can't even bring up facts without it potentially hurting your career. And of course, the facts that you can't bring up only pertain to when we're talking about 
white people, in this case, white women. And I actually have to salute Gabby Petito's family because they themselves came out with public statements talking about how it is an issue that certain people are given the coverage that someone like their daughter was and how so many other women of color go missing and don't get the same sort of coverage. Like even the victim's family was saying it. But no, 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 we can't talk about that in the media. It's just, just, that's just, uh, that's absurd to talk about. And I'm grateful that even in their, their mourning period, the family made it a point to speak on something that important because literally while all this is happening with, with Gabby, which again is a horrific incident, there was also a, a Latina woman, Maya Marcano, who was 19 years old, who was missing and then eventually sadly found dead. And I'm not even going to read the details of it because it's just absolutely horrific. But where was the, the coverage for this? Where was the outrage for this? I mean, this happened in, in Orlando, Florida. Like, it didn't happen in the middle of nowhere. And the only reason that I even knew about this story was because the blogs that, that target people of color or hip-hop culture, they were the ones talking about it. They were the ones discussing the story. Mainstream media definitely did not get behind this in the same way they did Gabby Petito. And speaking of, of the media and where it lacks coverage, and I say this as somebody who works in the media, and I try to hold myself as accountable as possible when it comes to certain things like this and, and make a point to speak on things that I feel like are not being covered enough. But listen, I've been in these spaces. I've seen what it's like behind the scenes at some of the various places that I've worked in media. And the reality is that the news is not just here to provide you with information, but they are chasing ratings just like any one of your favorite fucking novelas. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody is looking for ratings at the end of the day. So these sexier stories these stories that have more of a mass appeal, if you will, are always going to get pushed to the front. And those stories, of course, are usually inevitably going to be about white victims or people of color doing harm. Or like we saw over over the last year, where conversations surrounding uh, black people in this country and the just grave injustices they face at the hands of the police, when that finally became ratings worthy, that was then plastered all over the news. But what's often left out is the perspective of Latinos in this country who also face abuse at the hands of the police and also our prison system in this country at a similar rate to our black brothers and sisters. And in some places, one could argue even worse when you look at the prison population in certain states or cities. And again, it's the media deciding what essentially will bring eyeballs to the television and what won't. And speaking of one of those those stories um, that involves police and, and Latinos. There was just a really tragic story that happened earlier this month involving an 18-year-old mother who was shot in the head by a school safety officer in Long Beach, California. And again, this is not one of those stories that is plastered all over our television screens. And by the way, there is footage of this. I'm not watching it, but there is footage of it of somebody filming it, the whole incident happening. So that can't be the excuse of like, well, it wasn't caught, you know, in broad daylight like George Floyd was. Like, no, it was. And again, I'm not here to compare traumas. What happened to George Floyd was an absolute travesty. And everybody involved in that should be thrown under the fucking jail. My point being this, it's interesting how the media decides to latch onto movements, right? Like the Black Lives Matter movement rumbling in reaction to George Floyd. Now, all of a sudden, they give a shit, right? But unfortunately for us as Latinos in this country, we have not done a great job at organizing, at coming together as a cohesive unit to make sure that stories like this one I'm about to tell you involving Mona Rodriguez get the attention they deserve. So so Mona was was shot while actually sitting in her car, in the passenger seat of her car. So how, the, how the, the story goes here, I'm reading this from the Daily Beast. They describe it as the deadly incident occurred a few minutes after 3 p.m. on September 27th. So my bad, it happened the, at the end of this last month. They go on to say, when an officer working for the Long Beach Unified School District spotted Rodriguez fighting a 15-year-old girl walking away from Millican High. Rodriguez, who is not a student there, got out of a gray sedan parked by a nearby shopping center to confront the young girl, according to local reports. The officer allegedly warned the pair 
he would pepper spray them if they didn't break it up. Okay, no problem with that so far. Rodriguez got back in the gray car, which then began pulling away. Video from the incident shows. That's when the officer who was standing beside the front passenger door where Rodriguez was sitting can be seen in bystander video firing two shots at the moving vehicle. And then, by the way, this is what's fucked up about the way the media reports things. They literally leave it there where they talk about her getting shot as the car was driving away. And they move back to talking about the fight, like saying the motive for the assault remains under investigation. Like, okay, I get it. Listen, no, she should not be going to a high school to fight a kid. But that does not justify her getting shot in the fucking head. And and sadly, she ended up brain dead as a result of that gunshot and was eventually taken off life support and is no longer with us. But it's like, where is the national news coverage on this like cool threaten to pepper spray them shit pepper spray them while they're in the midst of a fight but this asshole is going to shoot her as she's in a car that's driving away while sitting in the fucking passenger seat like where is the outrage and you don't have to be fucking latin to be outraged by this like in what world is this okay that a fucking school officer somehow has a gun first of all but B then decides he's going to fucking go dirty hairy and just shooting at a car while somebody drives away, shooting into a car over a fight. And I don't mean to be bumming everybody out, you know, in this episode of the podcast. But, yo, like we have to be aware of these things because this conversation about about Mona Rodriguez is not being spoken about enough or shit at all in, in the national headlines, I feel like. And again, it's because what's sexy when it comes to ratings, and of course I use that word in jest, is when it's a black person getting assaulted by the police because they know that's going to stir up some reactions. They know that that is something that's going to bring in the ratings. And I I, I say all of that to hopefully motivate us to start using our voices a bit more because I think it's incredible what what the black community has been able to do in this country and being able to organize, and regardless of what you feel about the Black Lives Matter organization itself, the movement behind those words was incredibly powerful and brought to light a lot of cases that probably would have been buried otherwise. And shit, a conversation that white America would have gladly just swept under the rug. All right, I'm going to continue on with a, a, a few more stories from this last month that I really want to get into that should be on your radar. But let's take a quick break first, and then we'll be right back. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast, 
I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back. So this transition to this next story is ironic as I call for people to use their voices because some people I just don't want to hear you use your fucking voice. And sadly, one of those people is Pitbull. And I'm not going to go super in-depth in this because you could check out the previous uh, episode I did about him. I think it was two episodes ago about his comments of saying, uh, if any, and I'm paraphrasing now, but any if anyone uh, doesn't like the United States of America, you can go back to the places that we the fuck from and essentially see how much you would appreciate it then. Definitely, I'd have to say one of the low points for Latinx Heritage Month is hearing Pitbull uh, essentially cosign the racist rhetoric that people like to use whenever uh, a brown person, somebody of the Latin community, and and, I, and somebody pointed this out to me, the, the black community has been feeling this for a very long time as well, with people telling them to go back to Africa. But essentially, the conversation that happens whenever a person of color has in, uh, something to critique about the country. And by the way, they're given right living in a free country to critique it. Whenever somebody of color goes as far as to critique the country, people will love to tell them to go back to where they came from. And it just feels like a huge slap in the face when you have somebody as big as Pitbull with a platform as big as he is to go ahead and just sort of reiterate that statement. And, and I had one of my followers kind of bring up an alternative way to look at it. Uh, shout out to Brenda. Um, and she said that if what if Pitbull meant by that, like he was critiquing these white people who are, you know, revolting against the government uh, when it comes to the insurrection, all that kind of stuff. And I thought that was a great point. But to me, the the way if he really did mean it that way, he it would have been phrased as anybody who has a problem with the U.S., you should go visit the countries that we're from. And that would have been fine because he wouldn't have been essentially telling his own people to go back to where they came from. But that's why words words matter. And listen, I said this in that episode, I'm not here to cancel Pitbull. Um, you know, I believe everybody ha- makes mistakes, has room to grow, all of the above. But he is definitely in the doghouse for me personally right now. And uh, it's definitely disappointing, especially during Latinx Heritage Month. And the last thing I want to quickly touch on, because I found this to be super interesting, the great Facebook outage of October 2021. And as like weird of a day as it was to not have Instagram to blindly scroll to, some people enjoyed it. Some people were going crazy. Myself, where I, I do a lot of my like research, connecting with people and like, you know, stuff for my job, creating these episodes. I couldn't do like my Ask a Gringo segment because Instagram was down. It was a little bit frustrating. But also when you talk about the effect that it had on people across Latin America, and uh, shout out to Me Too for bringing this this up. There's an article on WeAreMeToo.com where they talk about the bigger consequences that something like this had on Latin America. And they're specifically talking about WhatsApp, which is owned by Facebook, and they were down as well. And what's interesting is that there are millions of WhatsApp users located in Latin America alone. And, and that messaging app has actually become very much so a part of the day-to-day life for many people in Latin America. I don't personally use it, but I know that my parents are on there with you know their family and friends back in Puerto Rico, and that's literally the way that they communicate with one another. I know that, even, actually, you know what? I, I do have it on my phone, I'm lying, but I don't use it consistently. But I know that when there were times um, when I was doing some music with some artists from Puerto Rico, WhatsApp is how we would communicate with one another. It's also become a big hotbed for misinformation for the Latino community. Um, they they mentioned that in this article surrounding like the pandemic and politics, but that's a conversation for another time. But anyway, this whole thing I'm bringing it up because it's a bigger conversation 
that needs to be had about how much of our lives we allow to be sort of dictated or how much we rely on a lot of these social media apps that literally could be gone just like that. And myself included, like I rely on Instagram for fucking so much. It's literally how I connect with people, how I do research. Like I said, I mean, like a lot of my business is based upon Instagram and without it, I don't even know what the fuck I would do to be completely honest with you. Like the amount of relationships I've created just based off of Instagram, like it, I literally would not probably be sitting here talking to you without a lot of like the relationships I made via Instagram. And AOC went heavy on on Facebook tweeting, you know, um, it's almost as if Facebook's monopolistic mission to either own, copy, or destroy any competing platform has incredibly destructive effects on free society and democracy. And she's saying this because WhatsApp was originally an independent company. Facebook came along, bought it. Same thing with Instagram. And the fear is that basically a company like Facebook can go and buy up any one of these apps and eventually just sort of own everything, right? Like own every aspect of our daily lives or at least a vast majority of it. And that's a really fucking scary thing, especially when you talk about the controversy that's happening with Facebook. But then even just like when you, when what if there's a tech issue, like what happened with Facebook and it went down and now a huge part of our business and our life is fucking in chaos because one company is essentially having like a bad day. And I don't have a solution. I wish I had a solution for y'all. It's just definitely something that we need to to think about. It's definitely something I believe personally that our government needs to get involved in because essentially it is a monopoly and no one company should have all that power. And hopefully this is a wake-up call. I have seen a lot of articles about, you know, a lot of people and a lot of uh, companies sort of who relied on on sites like Instagram or social media to run their businesses, you know, trying to figure out other avenues that they could sort of become, I guess, less reliant on it. And if you use it just for like, you know, passing time and like picking up, you know, men or women, whatever it is, I'm sure you're not that distraught about the potential of Facebook going down. Um, so, you know, feel free to kind of just ignore all that I'm saying. But for anybody that uses it for more than that, whether even if it's just like your own fucking like daily inspiration if you use it to like keep yourself up on content um that inspires you i know i follow a lot of those types of pages or even just news all my like blogs that i follow i don't generally go to websites like that it's like i'm following my blogs on instagram and that's how i'm getting a lot of like stories and things like that for the most part outside of like actual you know uh factual hard-hitting news and things like that but i don't know just something to think about it definitely has me kind of rethinking what I possibly could do to not be so reliant on one thing, uh, you know, in the way that I conduct myself. But it's definitely tough because they make it so fucking easy to just have everything in that one place. But again, it's it's scary when you are at the kind of beck and call of some giant corporation that can literally delete your entire existence for the most part in one quick swoop. Now, with that said, uh, I hope I didn't bum y'all out too much with some of that um, kind of like news recap from the last month, a Latinx Heritage Month. A lot seemed to happen in our community in this in this past month, in these past few weeks. A lot of conversations, some good, some bad, some ugly, but all worth talking about. And, and you know, we can't hide from things that are less than pleasant. We kind of have to be able to face them head on to, to be able to, you know, progress and grow and fight against the wrongs of this world. But with that said, I do want to have some some celebrations in this podcast because, of course, it is an incredible month. So in the Mijente segment of today's show, we are going to celebrate a few people who deserve to have their flowers uh, from some of the things they did this last month. Mijente. All right. So I, I actually this is off the top of my head after my last thing. I'm going to quickly mention Joe Biden in here. Uh, I mean, he's been kind of shitting the bed a bit when it comes to his uh, his non-actions as president thus far. But I do have to give him props for taking the the step in officially making uh, Indigenous Peoples Day a real thing uh, on the books. So shout out to him for, for doing that. Long overdue, but, you know, got to got to got to celebrate somebody when they do something well. Now, moving on to who uh, somebody I really want to celebrate this month, that would be uh of course, the pride of Puerto Rico, Bad Bunny. Now, Bad Bunny was on the cover of Allure magazine, which is actually a magazine that's targeted 
at uh, American women <laughs> and and focuses on beauty. Um, but he is he is always one to be pushing boundaries and sort of ending up in spaces that he quote unquote is not supposed to be in. And that's what I think we all love about Bad Bunny. Those of us who are able to um, appreciate all that he's doing and the boundaries that he's pushing. Now he's been getting flack on this one. Um, I mean, he always kind of does like playing with his gender, right? Like painting his nails and wearing things that uh, are not the norm for men. He's always getting shit or dressing in drag for for one of his videos. Now, on this one, he's got some crazy outfits that a lot of people were commenting on. First of all, he has this uh, on the cover. He's wearing these nails that literally uh, have dominoes on them, which is, I think is is incredible. Personally, I don't think I can pull that off, but I think it's uh, I love the the kind of, you know, nod to to his culture. Uh, and it's just something different. And then also he's wearing a dress in one of the photos. He's wearing like these hoof heels which i've been told by my girl is like a fashion thing that women are wearing right now that's like almost looks like horse feet i i don't get it um but hey you know who maybe it's just above my pay grade i don't know but i bring this up because i think it's important in all cultures but especially our culture when we have this history of machismo and this manly man and men are men type of thing you have somebody like bad bunny who is making the music that everybody is listening to essentially right like anybody who's into reggaeton or you know latin urban music whatever the fuck that means you know like you know basically the soundtrack to the clubs right now if you were to go to some a place like puerto rico let's just say bad bunny would inevitably be played a ton throughout the course of a night right he makes great music that everybody just loves and then it's another thing to have that same person that like you know the quote-unquote tough guys fuck with musically that same person is pushing them to open their minds about the gender norms that we've all been taught growing up and listen of course there are going to be some people who are like i don't fuck with what he's doing i don't fuck with that girl shit and listen i understand it's a bit jarring at first i'm not even gonna lie to y'all when i first saw bad bunny the first like image i ever saw of him was like him wearing the tiniest like daisy duke jean shorts i've ever seen on a man and i was admittedly like i don't get it what the fuck and it took me a minute to kind of understand like yo he's He's like just pushing the boundaries of what it means to be a male artist in this world and essentially opening the doors for acceptance for this next generation, right? And and I and I'm big on this. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I'm all about being unapologetically yourself. That I think your authenticity is your superpower in this life. And while I may not like look at some of the clothes that he's wearing and be like, yo, I got to get that outfit for myself personally. I love the fact that he's breaking down these doors and and in doing so, the people that are looking up to him, which is a hell of a lot of people, are inevitably going to feel slightly more comfortable with being able to be truer to themselves because you have somebody who's going so far to you know, the extremes of what people expect uh, uh, to be normal for a man that it allows somebody else to kind of, you know, find comfort in maybe the subtle things that they want to do to express themselves, whether that be, you know, coloring their hair, painting their nails, whatever the case may be. Like, it's no mistake that we've seen this trend, this fashion trend, you know, throughout the Latin community and also the hip hop space. And I would credit a lot of that to like somebody like Kid Cudi. But a lot of times it takes the cosign from from somebody that others deem to be cool to sort of give people the okay to truly be themselves. And I always view fashion as art it's an expression you know it's like your ability to sort of outwardly express who you are without actually having to say it that's how i always viewed fashion and clothing you know it's a conversation that happens without me actually having to speak any words and i think it's beautiful that he's giving people kind of that opening to truly be themselves and express themselves so i firmly stand behind all that he's doing and and i and i just absolutely have to celebrate him uh on, on this episode now my last one is a, a sort of I'm pushing my own rules a little bit because technically this happened uh, before Latin X Heritage Month. It happened uh, two days before. But my honorable mention has to go to AOC for her dress at the Met Gala. And she, of course, got a lot of flack for this. This was a dress um, that said uh, tax the rich on it. And it was uh, designed by a woman of color. Her name is uh, Aurora James. And she's actually a black uh, designer. And she's also the founder of the 15% Pledge, which is actually an initiative compelling retailers like Sephora and Gap to devote 
15% of their inventory to Black-owned businesses. So she's doing the work behind the scenes. Like, she's not here just getting credibility for creating a dress for AOC. And and getting back to AOC, a lot of the controversy was that AOC is, is, is sending out this message of tax the rich um, while being at a event that is full of just rich people and costs, I don't know how much money to attend. Uh, and for the record, she's not the first politician to attend this event. A lot of people try to make a big deal about this. But I think what a lot of people who were critiquing her were were missing is the fact that she's starting a conversation on a gigantic public platform. And that's what the point of all of it is. Like, yeah, I understand the dress costs some, you know, some crazy amount of money. Probably it costs a lot of money to rub elbows with these people. But I also think to me, you have to sometimes invest in getting a conversation started. Like she went on the most public platform you possibly could have at that time and used it to send a message. And to me, you have to commend her for that. Like I'm a firm believer that you have to meet people where they are. Not everyone is super into politics and is watching, you know, uh, the news channels 24-7 and getting up on everything that's happening. Sometimes you have to take it to where you know they're going to be. And I think that's kind of been like the beauty of politics over the last couple of years is that like pop culture and politics sort of fused. Um, obviously, a lot of it because of Donald Trump and just the controversy that came along with it. But it was because you had a lot of non-traditional political types, you know, people who are who don't just wear suits for a living, um, having uh, an opinion and, and talking about this conversation. And it's actually made like the blogs talk about politics, It's made TMZ have to talk about politics. And I'm not saying that that's where you should get all of your news from. But what I'm saying is it's leveling the playing field to make everybody realize, A, how important these conversations are, but B, that politics is something that is for all of us. You do not have to have certain credentials to have an opinion on politics, to be educated on politics, you know. Um, it, it's something that should be for all of us and that it's by design that it's sort of been kept out of our hands in the past, you know, like thankfully for social media, as many critiques as I might have for it, it has definitely made a lot of these conversations kind of come to our front doorstep and has like awoken a whole nother generation to having an interest in politics and what happens in this country. Because once again, the old guard, these people in office, these old people in office that don't do shit for any of us, they would love to keep it the way it was before where like people felt like they only could, you know, talk about politics if they you know, uh, watch X amount of hours of fucking CNN or like graduated a certain college or did it had a certain, you know, job that they did for a living. Like, no, no, no. People like AOC doing things like this on this platform continue to break down that barrier to entry and make us all realize that this needs to be something that we are just as passionate about as like the fucking, you know, latest Yeezy drop or our favorite celebrity scandal. So that's why I'm saluting her, uh, for her contribution this past month, um, even though she was a few days early. And with that, uh, let's let's kind of uh, end the the month where it all began, and that is with some facts that will hopefully remind you of how incredible our culture is, and that it deserves to be celebrated not just one month out of the year, but each and every day. And we'll do that in our segment called Conclusion Stew. But before that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangsta Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangsta rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangsta rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangsta Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangsta rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangsta Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. 
Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so if you tuned into the episode that I did where I kicked off Latinx Heritage Month, I uh, I referenced a list about like facts that had to do with Latinx Heritage Month. Uh, I don't, can't actually don't even remember where that list was, but I actually found um, Me Too had a really good list. We are MeToo.com, and it was 11 less known facts about Latinos in the U.S. to kick off Latinx Heritage Month. And I actually think it's a great way to not only have kicked off Latinx Heritage Month, but also a great way for us to come out of this month and to continue on celebrating our incredible culture. So I'm going to read off a few of the the things on the list quickly. And one of those is that Latinos make up almost 20% of the U.S. population in 2020. That's a 23% increase in our population. That is huge. And that's why I get so frustrated when I bring up things like we're not advocating for ourselves uh, when it comes to coverage for the atrocities that happen to people in our community. Like we now have, you know, numbers in this country Like people know they have to listen to us. And it's up to all of us to use our voices and whatever platforms we have. All of us have a platform, regardless of the size, to advocate for ourselves and make sure that we are getting represented. We have those numbers. Let's not let it go to waste. I mean, I'm going to quickly kind of go through some of these. They said um, a majority of Latinos now consider themselves to be multiracial. Absolutely. Uh, Latinos can be of any race. They say that a Japanese Peruvian, a black Chinese Cuban, a Guatemalan with Mayan roots and a Lebanese Mexican-American are all equally Latino if they choose to identify as such. We are a worldwide phenomenon, babies, end quote. They also go on to say, not to mention, you don't have to speak Spanish to be Latino. I've mentioned that a million and one times. You have people who speak indigenous languages. You have people in Brazil who don't speak Spanish. They are still all Latino. They also go on to uh, talk about a major win, which was that college enrollment for Latinas has grown exponentially since 2010. The number of Latinos working towards a college education increased between 2010 and 2020 from 2.9 million to 3.6 million. Latinas largely led the charge, making up a large proportion of Latinx college students, 56% versus 44%. And you love to see us. Shout out to everybody out there who is pushing themselves for for higher education and, and, uh, and, you know, a better life for themselves. And I have my own ideas about college, but I love to see people are taking the initiative to, to make a better life for themselves. And I'm breezing through this a little bit. Some some that I don't are just kind of like silly ones. Um, let me see. One they said uh, that's interesting though. 
Apparently, Latinos are the country's biggest shoppers. So they say the authors of a recent study from SUNY Buffalo State and University of North Texas found that Hispanics are more likely to be fashion leaders than their Caucasian peers. And they also conveyed higher levels of shopping enjoyment than white folks as well. You see, this is good and bad uh, because it's good because that means we should have some sort of power, right? Like these brands need to start speaking to us because our dollar is is getting spent a lot more often. Now, the flip side of that is, uh, and I don't mean to be a downer, flip side of that is that I would hope that we aren't just out here buying frivolous shit and not uh, investing in, you know, creating generational wealth for for uh, us to be able to help continue to progress the culture. And they go on to say, and I brought this one up um, in, in my episode, they said, uh, many so-called American traditions actually originated from Latinx culture. And they bring up the cowboy hat, rodeos, and ranching, several state names like Montana, Colorado, and Nevada, all come from Spanish words. And barbecue, of course. Shout out to the Taino Indians uh, for, for the barbecue. They also bring up a point that I, I uh, talked about was Latino Americans have fought in every U.S. war. Yes, we have fought side by side in every single U.S. fucking war. Yet, when we critique the country, we need to go back to where we came from. Give me a fucking break. And the last thing they say is, uh, they say, quote, perhaps most importantly, Latinos aren't a monolith. And this is not a contest. We're not all old fashioned when it comes to sex or marriage. We're not all homophobic. Not every Latino is machista, even though machismo is a pervasive problem. We don't all vote the same way or for the same political party. We're a group made up of individuals and we need others to understand that as well as one another. And that's a great, great point where, you know, I think that that's a, a beautiful kind of way for them to, to end that. Yeah, we're we're a very diverse community. It pisses me off when the last election happened. And they're like, oh, the Latino vote is far more conservative than we thought. Like, you realize how fucking diverse the Latin population is? Like, you can't just lump us all into one category there. You know, we all culturally have different issues that affect us differently in this country. But with that said, it's important that regardless of our differences and our, you know, direct issues that we feel like need to be solved for our community, we all have to be there for one another. Because as much as the diversity in our community is absolutely beautiful, the infighting that also comes along with that only weakens us and weakens our voices. We have this incredible, beautiful, rich culture that we need to be sharing with the world and celebrating every single day but also that we need to be protecting. And part of protecting it is looking out for one another. And that doesn't mean just like physically looking out. That also means like using our voices to make sure we are advocating for one another. We need to do a better job at organizing and coming together and making sure that the issues that are affecting our community are being taken seriously, especially as the Latino population in this country continues to rise. Like we have the numbers. Now we just have to use our voices. And with that said, thank y'all who have been following me along this journey on Latinx Heritage Month. It has been incredible to really like just dive into our beautiful culture. And even though it's officially, uh, you know, going to be over this week, like I said, we need to be celebrating our culture each and every fucking day because it is beautiful and i'm grateful that i get to have a platform where i get to do that twice a week and nobody can tell me shit about it so i love that so shout out to iheart and michael Tuda for giving me the opportunity to do that and thank you to y'all for listening i appreciate you guys oh and something else i'm being told that i i should mention i've been getting inquiries about this so um it's actually something that i'm gonna start actually doing uh officially and that is speaking engagements whether that be at schools or corporate uh, events, whatever the case may be, I've gotten some inquiries about this. So it's something I've always wanted to do. I want to inspire people. I want to connect with people. I want to speak to my community and help out in any way that I possibly can. So if you uh, work for a company, a school, whatever the case may be, and you're interested in booking me for a speaking engagement, I'm sure I would love to come and talk to y'all. So you can actually email me, the, T-H-E, djdramos at gmail.com and send over uh, what you're, you're trying to do. And I'll forward that over to my team. Uh, it's definitely something I'm, I'm passionate about, and I, I want to start being able to come and connect with some of y'all in any way that I can. 
With that said, thank you for tuning in to another episode. Thank you to everybody that has been leaving the positive reviews and comments on Apple Podcasts. It has been incredible. I've been just loving seeing the feedback. I've been hearing back from a lot of other people uh, outside of listeners who have been saying, I can't believe your sponsor getting on the podcast. So thank you so much uh, for offsetting some of the bullshit that was out there before. So I appreciate y'all. If you haven't done so yet, I would appreciate it if you showed some love. And that's it. Tuesday, back at it with a brand new episode. Until then, have an incredible weekend. And I will talk to y'all then. Peace. Life as a Gringo is a production of the Michael Tura Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.